Hi, thank you for listening to the Play, Move, Improve podcast. My name is Robin Papworth and I'm a developmental educator and paediatric exercise physiologist. Today I wanted to talk about separation anxiety, in particular for children who will be returning soon from lockdown as a result of the coronavirus. I have a lot of followers who are early childhood educators and teachers and of course families in Melbourne. My sending you a big virtual hug at the moment as I know how hard it is for us. Over 270 days so far being locked down in our homes with our children and I know that even for me it's it's starting to really wear thin. So I'm thinking of you and my mind starts to think what we do in the coming weeks as our children can return to kindergarten and also to school. I've just recently created an ebook all about sensory motor strategies for children with anxiety. So if you'd like to check out my website, you'll be able to find that ebook. But I wanted to share with you my thoughts around why I started the ebook and of course share some strategies. This week I've been communicating with an amazing early childhood team all about how we can plan for the return of the children. The children in this team range from 18 months all the way to the age of five. So I just wanted to walk you through the strategies for each room. So depending on the age of the children. My key goal around an 18-month to two-year-old room is being mindful that these children are currently in an area of development that we have not researched. These children around the ages of 18 months to two years of age have been brought up in social isolation. They've been brought up in COVID during lockdown where they haven't been able to form strong relationships with their community. They haven't been able to see their family, their grandparents, aunties, uncles, cousins. So we can expect, in my opinion, for these children to return to care with some separation anxiety, clutching on to their caregiver more than usual, finding it difficult separating from their siblings. So I think it's really important for teams to think about how the siblings are going to go as they come to care and they may be in different rooms at the same centre. It's in this 18-month to two-year-old room that I think it's very important that we are mindful of attachment. Secure attachment is when a child has a strong bond with a caregiver And they would have experienced that, most children would have experienced that throughout lockdown. Having a really quality time with their caregiver, hopefully, would give them beautiful, secure attachment. But the challenge we have is they now have to build that secure attachment with their early childhood team. And this has been inconsistent for the last 18 months to two years. At times in Melbourne, we've been going to care. We've had that ability to form those connections. And then all of a sudden, we're back in lockdown for days, weeks, months on end. It's this inconsistent attachment that I feel is going to be one of the concerns for the 18-month to two-year-old age group that we're currently having in 2021. So my suggestion with attachment is really making the children feel part of the tribe If we go back to what attachment is all about, it's about us feeling connected, connected to our family, connected to our our parents, our caregivers. Any adult can play a significant role in attachment, but we have to be consistent in how we build that attachment. If a child comes to us and we're inconsistent, whether that be 
we ignore their emotional um, desire for connection or whether we are too stressed to respond to their needs. This is what could be happening in a lot of families, mine included. My own behavior with my children has been inconsistent throughout lockdown. At times at the start of lockdown, I was so excited. We did painting and play-based learning and science experiments. But now 270 days later, it's, it's wearing thin and it's wearing thin for all of us. We're all getting more aggravated. So that attachment, it's there because we've developed that attachment, but it may not be as optimal as we had have hoped. So as our little 18-month and two-year-olds come into the space or any child comes into the space, the thing, the language that we can use can promote attachment. For example, I've missed you so much. Oh my goodness, I feel so much better now that you're back here with us, back as part of our, our group or our class or our tribe, whichever word you would like to use. Since you've been away, I have created this amazing play space that I know you will love. Or since you've been away, I haven't had the chance to water the garden. I really need your help helping me to water the garden. It's making that attachment of I've missed you. You've been a part of this tribe. Let's reconnect this tribe again. It's through, as we go up to the two to three-year-old rooms, it's through jobs that we feel connected as part of our family, as part of our group. For example, so many children you'll see will be trying to fold the tea towels or I'll be trying to do the dishes and the children will be asking me, how can I help? It's because when we go to a party, the first thing we want to do is want to help the host. How can I help? What can I bring? How can I be part of your tribe and be contributing in some way? And children are exactly the same. So before the children come back, we need to have a think of the jobs we can deliberately leave for the children to be a part of. I know our own um, personal desire to have the classroom perfect or to set up the play spaces ourselves can be very strong. But if we involve the children in these moments, let them help you put the posters on the wall. Let them help you set up the slime table. Let them help you wipe down the snack table or prepare the veggie garden. It's getting them involved in our tribal jobs so that they feel a part of our community again. It's chatting to them about, I've missed you, my friend. I remember working with a beautiful educator and he would always talk to the children saying, my friend, my friend. And you could see the children's face light up when, and we're the same. Like when we get told, oh, I feel like we're friends. It's that connection, that feeling of community. So be mindful of the language that we need to use even more than ever before. As we go up into the three and four-year-old age groups, now these children have probably been at care before. They may have been, well, they would have been a part of a community before and had that community taken away. So with these children, we will possibly expect more separation anxiety, more nervousness about being taken away again, more difficulty connecting to us because they may feel nervous that we will go back into lockdown again or be disconnected again. So it's very important with the separation anxiety strategies to have it at a level that calms their nervousness, 
calms their fear because we are all fearful of being segregated again. We're all fearful of finally we're back in connection and then what next? So we need to calm down the area of the brain that's called the brainstem. The brainstem is sits at the bottom of our brain. It's where all of our fight or flight response comes from. Even up into the limbic system, the limbic system is just above the brainstem. In the limbic system, you have your amygdala, your hippocampus. All, the hippocampus is telling your amygdala, this has happened before. I finally connected with my teacher and I got disconnected because of lockdown again. So the hippocampus is alerting that amygdala to go, come on, fight or flight. I can't feel safe here. So as we get up into the older children, three or four, a key strategy that I really encourage is reminding them that they're safe, reminding them that it's okay, we're going to fix this together or we're going to work on this together. It's bringing them in and saying, you're safe, I'm here. And same for the parent. You'll see a parent come and and I'm going to be quite similar. I'm already nervous about dropping my children back into kinder and school. Will they be healthy? Will they adjust? Will they catch the virus? Like we have all this anxiety within ourselves. So a parent is going to come to your classroom door feeling anxious, feeling nervous, and it's okay. We're there to comfort them. It's okay. We're going to get through this together. We're all safe. If there's any concerns, I will call you straight away. I can't wait to show you the photo of Johnny playing in the new home corner. Or by lunchtime, I'll show you the great activity that I've set up for Sally outside. And be sure to follow through on that. You may need to, yes, be taking more photos in those early days and sending more communication and more feedback to parents than you may have ever before. But if you can soothe the anxiety of the whole family in the coming weeks, then you're going to have more positive outcomes from the children and from the families as well. So while it feels like it's an extra job, I understand, but it's just reminding children that they're safe, reminding families that we've got it, we've got this together, we're in this together, we'll help each other. It's also being vulnerable enough to admit to your family that I'm, I'm feeling nervous too. I can see that you're nervous and I feel nervous too. And we've got this. We can do this together. But the challenge that I see some have is try not to stop emotion. In that moment of separation anxiety where child is crying, parent is stressed, we don't want to quickly put a lid on that emotion and quickly shut it down, hide it. We want to acknowledge it, label it oh my goodness, I can see that you feel like me. I can see that your hands are clenched. You must you must be feeling scared. Are you feeling scared? Look at me. My shoulders are tight. I'm feeling nervous. Label that emotion. Allow it to be there. Give it permission to be there. We don't want to wallow in it. We don't want to be sad all day. But if we quickly try and shut everyone's emotions down, pretend that there hasn't been a lockdown, pretend that we haven't gone through some really challenging times, then we can't allow the children to process it. So we want them to process it. I can see that you're nervous about leaving mum or dad. It's okay. Let's go and wipe down the tables for snack time or let's go and feed the fish. Oh my goodness, I can't wait to show you the Play-Doh. It's an acknowledging, I can see that you're nervous, I can see that you're scared, but let's go. It's giving them that mixture it's called ambiguity where we can acknowledge that we feel sad but let's also feel excited 
I can acknowledge that you feel nervous, but let's also feel happy about feeding the chickens or happy about wiping down the slide because it rained last night. We need to get the towel and wipe down the slide. It's those tribal jobs that can help with that separation anxiety. But we've all got to be willing to talk about it. <laughs> now that's the tricky part, isn't it? It's getting the team, all of our teams to talk about it. So please, as we go into um, separation anxiety and we go into going back to kindergarten and school, think about how as teams we can talk to the children about how they're feeling. Talk to the children about where they're feeling anxious. Do they feel it in their hands? Do they feel it in their jaw? Do they feel it in their tummy? Does their tummy feel sick? Talk about what color do you think it is. When I feel mad, my face feels red. When I feel frustrated, my toes feel green. It doesn't matter. There's no right or wrong answer to how we feel. It's labeling it. Because when we label emotions, when we talk about emotions, we don't feel so scared of them. We accept them for what they are and we have a strategy to manage them. The strategies that I've already mentioned are tribal jobs, giving them jobs. Another strategy is what I call a visual distraction. Now, I don't ever want for mum or dad to go away and run away while you're distracting the child. I feel that that, in what I've observed, can be detrimental to some children. But a visual distraction is something exciting sitting just outside your door that catches the child's attention enough to settle down the amygdala of the brain, to settle down the fight or flight response of the brain. It's not to quickly trick them and get mum or dad to leave quickly. That's not what it's for. It's just to admire or to look at as a conversation starter, as a strategy to relax the mind and body. So then we're not clutching onto our caregiver as much. It might be a lava lamp up high so the children can't touch it because it can get hot. It might be a oil diffuser where the steam is flowing out or the, the color of the oil diffuser is changing and we talk to the children about the colors changing. It might be a fish tank sitting in your foyer and we can count how many new fish we have or we can watch them swimming around quickly. It might also be a basket full of art supplies that you've deliberately left at the front of the door. So the child goes to pick up the basket of art supplies, take it into the room for you and say goodbye to mum or dad on the way. We still want to have that moment of separation where we say goodbye. Saying goodbye is a really important part of separation anxiety. Saying oh, There's lots more strategies in my ebook, but saying goodbye is, it's, it's, it's important, I feel, in I'll see you later, can't wait to see you after lunch, or can't wait to see you after four o'clock. When I see you, I'm going to give you the biggest hug, or when I see you, I'm going to give you lots of tickles. It's that I'm goodbye, I can't wait to see you again, reminding children that I will see you again, I'll see you after lunch, or after four o'clock, or after afternoon tea. And when I, when I see you, it's all in our language, when I see you, I can't wait to go throw a ball together or I can't wait to give you a big hug or I can't wait to read our favorite book. I try not to use treats in this moment because I don't want it to be food related. I also try not to promise things that we can't make sure happen. So I tend not to say I can't wait to go to the park because then we might not go to the park because it's raining or we might not go to the park because our little one's too tired. So be mindful of those moments. But we want to separate calmly. We want to separate goodbye. I can't wait to see you. 
if there's still tears, it's okay. If there's still tears, we remind them that it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel frustrated. It's okay to feel nervous. I feel nervous. But it's in that but moment. But let's go feed the fish. Let's go water the stick insects. Let's find a book to read. It's trying to help them go through that process. And I feel sometimes if there's a visual distraction at the door, something of intrigue to look at or to hold, it just allows the children to take something into the space and just to be distracted a little bit from their own anxiety. I hope those strategies have given you a little bit to start with. Of course, if you have any questions or you want me to go in more detail, or if you'd like to brainstorm a particular scenario, I'm always here. I do have a lot of teams that come to me and they describe the child, the situation. It might be a child from trauma, or it might be a child who has had extended hospitalization and they've had extensive anxiety. Feel free to reach out and we can always brainstorm together. You can find me at Facebook or Instagram at Play Move Improve. And I look forward to hearing from you. Take care.